welcome back, and here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk. Oh, yeah. Look at us. Recording. Look at uh, us. <laughs> recording, like, really quickly. Oh, two episodes in the same year. Oh, holy <laughs> cow, we're on a roll. I have a question for you. What were you on to make you sound so ridiculously happy when you recorded that intro thing? Oh, <laughs> you I were know. like, you were so cheerful. I think we were just... Welcome back. We were just talking, and then I put on a big old echo, put on a reverb, and that was it. That's all she wrote. I was like, "We got to yeah, get this well, done." Yeah, well, you did a great job. It's uh, every time I hear it, it like elevates my mood. Thank you, sir. <laughs> our our topic today is is point, dot releases, point releases, yeah, point releases. Either way, both the same thing. So uh, when they made this switch at nineteen, um, I found myself sort of not. I wouldn't say I'm, I don't pay attention, but because it's not a big buildup where they go major release, I really have to be honest. I have not kept up. How about you? Um, I always read the, I I always very carefully read the point release release notes, but I don't know if I could tell you anything that's in any of those at this point. You know, point zero one two three four at this point. Um, in terms of things, because they're much smaller, right? It's not like, oh yeah, this version has a greatly redesigned, um, you know, like what am I trying to say? Some WebDirect. major feature that's really impactful. Yeah, like WebDirect now supports card windows. That was like, yes, thank you, I love that. And that might have actually been one of those. I'm not sure when that came, but yeah. So it's a it's a mix of um, enhancements, fixes, and then new features, but the new features come out as like trickles mm-hmm. and they have re- release notes for client and then for server separately. I thought we'd go through the client release notes cause we're usually working in that environment, but there have been major mm-hmm. releases in the server. Server has taken over a lot of different uh, features in terms mm-hmm. of uh, handling uh, load, which is very interesting. So we should make a separate podcast of that and talk about those things. Yeah, there's been, I can't remember which one specifically, but like sorting, which always used to happen client side, now can mm-hmm. happen server side, and some other pretty major things. Uh, summary, uh, I think. No, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they've well, just been doing things over on the server side and, uh, and you know, putting in some nice things. Which I think is great because, you know, the the, the typical environment people are hosting on now is either like an AWS server or uh, possibly FileMaker Cloud, machines with some serious horsepower and some serious fast, uh, like drive speeds, especially. Yeah. For most server hosting environments. For sure. Of course, Plus, clients I mean, will have that too. The uh, the CentOS and then moving to Ubuntu, that thing is that. That was that was huge. That was it's huge. absolutely huge because of containerization, or containers, as I should say. Call yeah. So there's more than just Docker, but I know that um, I think it's fmcloud.fm or something like that. They're they're probably using containers. I don't know what some of the other hosting providers are using, but uh, when you use those containers, you can bring a FileMaker server up and down in seconds. Yeah. It's 
and and it's completely contained and isolated. So what's really nice about that is you compare um, FileMaker or Claris's uh, cloud. You can't mm-hmm. have plugins, but a independent party like fmcloud.fm, they're not going to be afraid to use plugins because everybody's running in their own little private sandbox, their own little container, yep. their own environment. Whatever you do with plugins can't affect all of the other clients because they're all in their own little bubbles. So beautiful. Love Which it. I thought that was the way the, you know, the Claris cloud was working as well. I would hope that's the way. It certainly shouldn't be cleared, uh, shared hosting because that would violate their own license agreement, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering where they're going to go. I don't know that um, they're not. It doesn't seem like they're so gung ho on the hosting side of their business. I think that may have been done strategically in order to build user base. But I don't know because, I mean, they're completely giving props and, you know, lauding the fact that uh, companies like that FM Cloud, that FM are, you know, I think they gave them an award or, uh, for, you know, innovative technology and stuff like hmm. that. So if they get back on that bandwagon where they're like, we're not a hosting provider, we're a technology provider, we're going to basically, you know, you need to go over to these guys and let them take care of that tech stack. Um, that might be, who knows? I don't know. I don't know how they consider their own investment in their uh, infrastructure. So time will tell on that one. Yeah, I think that the fact that they've offered their own cloud makes it really great for people who are entry level and they just don't they don't have a relationship with a platinum or a hosting company. True. And also totally legitimizes all of the platinums that have their own way to do it. Which is often really solid. Uh, I know for sure like the one that I built and started building at AppWorks and then taken over by DIS only got stronger and better and more automated. And I think a lot of the other companies are even, you know, farther down that path. And I'm really hoping to talk to a couple of people in upcoming episodes, actually, about what goes into creating a really reliable and very fast to change hosting environment for clients. I know that Saliant and they've got Wim. He's a brainchild over there. And then uh, Angelo Lucci. I think I don't know how to say his last name. I forget what his last name is. Sorry, Lucci. Yeah, it's, that's right. Uh, yeah, he he moved. uh, He was doing his own independent service. And I think he moved over and is working with. Proof Geist. Proof Geist, yep. He's actually who I talked to recently about it, and he was telling me some very intriguing things. So I'm hoping to talk to him on the podcast about yeah. what he's done. And I know he was big. Uh, he was big uh, Unix, Linux nerd, so he's definitely, I, I would be surprised if he's not using containers myself. Yep. Joey Grimaldi in my neck of the woods over here yeah. has done a ton with hosting. Yeah, um, yeah there's, a, there's I think there's some key people in the in our space that have some really deep knowledge. And I think we've just named a few. There's probably a lot more. Very much so. So let's get to these point releases. Uh, How do you actually keep up with them? Well, open up a web web browser and go to support.claris.com. And basically I'm telling you to do that, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you were telling everyone in the... Everyone who's driving their car right now to do that. (laughs) If you're driving, no, you're not going to do that. (laughs) Hey, Jesse, open up the web browser while you're driving. Look down. (laughs) It'll be unsafe, but it's fine. All right. Support.clarus.com, then what? Okay. So this is what you have to do in order to filter down. It's a great way. So first Mm -hmm. off, in the search box, you're simply just going to type the words release notes. And then you're going to select your filters on the products. You're going to filter down to just either FileMaker Pro or FileMaker Server. 
Then for mm. the version, you're just going to select that isolated version. So for us, for this, it's going to be 19.x. And then you click find. And then if Claris keeps up with this pattern where they use that keyword of release notes, they will all come up there right there for you in reverse chronological order. Oh, that is really nice. You know what's really weird? <laughs> the release notes say 19 and then 16, 15, 14, but not 17 and 18. <laughs> did you limit it to FileMaker 19? On the I version? did. But if you click, when I click on the dropdown for FileMaker Pro, not FileMaker Pro Advanced, it does not show 17 and 18. Anyway, let's, oh, yeah, I see let's that. not get, let's not go no, down. That's very interesting. Hole. They do not have. <laughs> 17 or 17 or 18 is missing. I totally see it. Their pop, their drop up, their pop up menu, whatever is drop down list. Yeah. <laughs> they show up if you say FileMaker Pro. It's if you choose FileMaker Pro Advanced, they show up. Oh, I got it. That's what I suspected. They should merge those. That's so funny. Oh, and if you choose FileMaker Pro Advanced, it does not show 19 because they, they sort of change the name of the product, which they do back and forth from time to time, just specifically to confuse us. I was going to say, that's very interesting. You're like, I'm interested in FileMaker Pro. I have no idea of what FileMaker Pro Advanced was, but I have 18. Where is it? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So which do you want to start with, old or new? Um, I have I have all of the point releases loaded. 19.2.1 um, is one that I have that I'm in front of me. Mm -hmm. And really new feature-wise, the only thing that they really list as new features was this was a, a time when FileMaker was having to lock things down. The release was December of 2020, mm -hmm. and we got uh, the ability to limit whether or not plugins could be uh, executed on separate files or where one file is in a multi-file solution. When one file is talking to another file, they implemented an extended privilege called FM Plugin, or you could use the FM plugin with uh, every plugin has a special four symbol code or four character code. And that would allow you to limit whether or not a plugin could talk to another file. And that has to be authorized through when, uh, you know, in the file settings where one file is authorized to communicate with another file, which they added that a long time ago yeah. in order to solve yep. the opening you know through via a relationship where you could have yeah, these a are, file they're extended privilege things and many of the extended privileges can actually be controlled in other dialogues in the security layer uh, and then you can see sort of a summary of them all in extended privileges and you usually have a little bit finer grained control there yep but that's that's what it is i would call this a really small feature i mean it's small, but the, the reason that it's good that we're talking about it is that it is not added in older files by default. So mm -hmm. if you have older FileMaker solutions and you are moving them up into a newer environment, you definitely want to be able to go back. Because let's say I've had older solutions that they had plugins and they were completely used and uh, used. And the default behavior is if it doesn't even find this keyword of FM plugin in the extended privileges, then it completely just goes on like normal, which means mm -hmm. you still have that in there. So you have to know that with an older file, you have to go into extended privileges and add this if you want to be able to control that functionality. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like you're, you're still moving forward blind with this thing. They didn't fix the hole. They gave you a fix, but you still have to fix the hole in your own file. Yeah, I would say it's not really following the least privilege. 
Yeah, uh, no, not at all. But if you start a new file, what they have done really effectively, if, if you start a brand new file, all the checkboxes are set correctly for higher security and it is following least privilege, but they've always opted for not breaking anything in current production. Because if they had checked this one, if they had turned this thing on, this new feature, then it would have broken all the solutions that use plugins to call things in other files. So, yes. And they don't like to do that. And I think that's, I think that's good, but it does put the onus on all of us as developers to be looking at these and say, hey, this is an important security thing. Let's lock this down. Um, and what you, know, you said our- was exactly, which is a good thing to do. If you're ever you know, curious about what is new, but you're too lazy to go read the release notes, if it's security, <laughs> create a new file, go into the extended privileges and just look. If you see something that's new there, then you might want to make yourself aware of that feature. Mm-hmm. So that was 19.2, and then they had some changed stuff and some enhancements and some fixes. You tell me if you see anything because we're going through these. But um, um, I'm ready to go to 19.2 if you want. That's or, what is, well, 19.2. 19.2.2 was the next one that I had. That was 19.2.1. See, I, I would figure that the 19, all the really tiny releases, the next, the last decimal place, are so small. It's really the 19.2.1. Oh, whatever that um, that has the big features. Well, they are. It, it's supposed to be major, minor, and then patch. Well, Great. they're actually putting new features in their patch release. So their their dot two dot two mm-hmm. is actually had they list new features. So we sort of have to pay attention to those. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the really big one, of course, I'm a little going a little bit out of order, was the version that optimized for the M1 chip. Well, let's that not was jump a, ahead. Let's go to 19.2.2. That was March. Fine. Let's let's do that. Of 21. <laughs> so and they uh, they implement because I mean it lets you know new things that maybe you didn't know were actually coming or were there. For example, OAuth. Uh, if you haven't, what they did is they started, they originally had the release of the, you know, three different providers. What was it? Google, Microsoft, and then yeah. uh, AWS. Well, they extended that with OAuth being able to go, uh, you know, wider. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the features in uh, 19.2.2 was the, uh, they will hide the name and password fields when opening a solution if you're authenticating using that one of those third parties or through right. Active Directory. So that is, that is now actually an option that you will find in a uh, the current version, I believe. If you go into the current preferences, um, where is it? Layout memory, shortcuts, permitted, somewhere in there. There's a way to actually say show it, I believe, where they were starting to show it. Uh, they were they were hiding it or turning it off. I forget what mm-hmm. it is. I thought that was a pretty interesting one. I haven't used, uh, personally, I have not used a whole lot because uh, I'm not doing anything for a larger company where it completely makes sense. I'm just using the external authentication myself most of the time. But um, do you use a lot of external or have you on systems? Not that much. No, you just still use the internal stuff? Uh, largely. I mean, there's a big advantage if you uh, you do that. And I'm actually thinking I of uh, doing beta testing and using uh, Google as the third party in order to get into our tool and just say, you have to yeah, have a Google I, account. And if you do, you can get in. I, I very, many of our customers um, certainly have used um, 
external authentication with with Microsoft. Um, that's by far the largest one I've implemented. Basically, every customer who can do that should do that. Um, but for all the smaller ones, we we just used regular FileMaker security. So I think I maybe answered your question incorrectly. But the new ones, I've tested them all, and I've used. I really like the Google one because um, so many people have a Gmail account of some kind or several. Yep. And I really like just being able to, um, you know, you basically add someone's email and now they can just get in for the file um, without having to have their password locally stored. Exactly. I mean, I think that's for me. I mean, if I'm working on anything with larger than three or five users, that's just the way to go is just set it up from the outset. Use a third party uh, authenticator. Why did you start at 19.2 instead of 19.1? I don't know. What did 19.1 have? I didn't see it. That's going uh, way back. We're going, we're going back before the pandemic on that one, aren't we? Uh, Nineteen point one, one I saw is where all I the looked. JavaScript add-ons were added, uh, like a whole host of them. Oh yeah, on the nineteen release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured everybody maybe knew. 19. Probably did know about that, but I mean that that's an example of a of a point release that has fairly major functionality added. And I saw like one of the other ones, nineteen point. Two, they added three new functions. Yeah, on um, 19.2.2, but they're all functions that just deal with either JSON or add-ons. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the environment. So, for example, in 19.2.2, uh, again from March from 2021, you've got get add-on info. That returns a JSON object with, with information about the add-ons. Get mm-hmm. layout object owner info returns JSON with ownership info. Layout mm-hmm. object UUID returns a UUID about the uh, uh, layout object. I've so, tested them all, and I don't think I have any use for any of them at the present I have not juncture. used them. A UUID of the layout object. Hmm. I wonder if that only applies. It, it's used by <laughs> add-on developers, but I'm trying to think of where I might creatively use that. Hmm. I'll have to look yeah, at that. Yeah, that would be really nice, because a layout object... I'm trying to think of I'm, like a I'm field. In the watch we variable use, right we now. use some features. We use some features like when we uh, sync two different interface files or two different data files to get a list of the fields in a table by unique ID, because you could have like a table that has 20 fields in it and the name exactly the same, but the invisible ID behind the fields is different. So yeah. in one file, you may have created a field and then deleted it and then made five more fields uh, and they will be out of sync if you if you connect an interface file to the di- other version of a data file it will break so um i think the uuid feature kind of lies down that path i uh, i just object. put it in a watch variable and it's giving me a filemaker standard question mark so using it by itself alone i don't think it does anything it's got to be in the, within the context of an add-on Unfortunately, interesting. So it doesn't really work. Yeah, it doesn't give you. It doesn't give you anything, and it doesn't take any parameters. So I think Hmm. it's evaluated within the context of when an uh, an add-on is added. Um, we did. There was a new function. Get install. uh, You could get the plugins before, but now they provided the ability to get the plugins as JSON. What's the theme for nineteen point two point two? Well, we're enhancing and uh, you know our add-on functionality and we're giving you a lot of stuff using JSON. That was all the new stuff. So next one was 19.3.1. Do you have that one? Yeah. 
there was a quick start experience thing in 2.2 as well, but I don't know about that. Well, they're constantly updating the the quick start. They've been working on that for a long time. Yeah. With the node back end. One of the versions changed it so that you can actually use quick start after the fact, as opposed to only when you start a new solution. Like in the very first version of quick start, you got it exactly one time. And you could, uh, there was no way to go back and edit anything after you started with it. Oh, yeah. That was before they had an editor. But they definitely, once a, once a layout internally has been switched to FileMaker's internal layout model, then mm -hmm. the quick start won't work anymore on it. Right. Because they're using uh, Node.js and probably React in order to manage that. Uh, there you go, 19.3.1. That's the one you were jumping up to, right? Uh, I was looking at two, but let's look at three one. Yes. June of 2021. Apple Silicon support. That's what you were, uh, alluding to, right? When I click on the link for three one, it actually takes me to the three two notes, hmm. which is July of 2021. Interesting. There's the, yeah, I've got the 3.2 and the 3.1. Hmm, okay. I'll put that in the chat cool. for you. So, yeah, we've got uh, Apple Silicon support. So, uh, the get application architecture was a function that, that will now return ARM64 on uh, computers with Apple Silicon. So, you can determine whether uh, somebody's running an M1 Mac or not. Yep. Um, this was a night and day difference. This was by far the fastest I've seen FileMaker perform on, well, I mean, that's like Apple coming out and saying, this is our fastest Mac ever. It's like, really? <laughs> Why would you be releasing one that wasn't the fastest I, Mac I ever? know, I love it. Each time it's like, the fastest we've ever, <laughs> well, if you're doing one that's slower, then I don't yeah. think you're getting to get as many orders. Well, I mean, when you switch to a different architecture and you're running things in emulation, you take a little bit of a hit. Yeah, of course. And this one removed that. And it was a good day for me, for sure. Let's see. Microsoft Edge support for web content windows. Well, that was a uh, that was released when they uh, released and updated the web viewer, maybe. Yeah, that was web probably a really big change, right? Yeah. Better support. So that's when they they just updated the Microsoft Everybody was, ho I think I remember that one. Everybody was hopeful that they would switch to an internal, like uh, the Chrome's V8, and then it would just be the same on Mac and Windows. I don't know if they still have plans to do that. It would still probably be uh, nice, but I don't know what the technical limitations are, but they ended up just updating on the respective platforms, Edge mm -hmm. on Windows and just WebKit still on Mac. Yeah, which does present, historically, it presented quite a problem for viewing PDFs, and they specifically say, there's a PDF uh, line item here that says Intera interactive container fields PDFs are displayed using the Edge engine. You no longer need to install a web browser plugin to display PDF files. So that was always a thing. You'd build a, a database on Mac, which can display PDFs natively, and then installed on Windows, and they wouldn't work because the client machine didn't have a PDF viewer installed. And if the client did have a PDF viewer installed, it was who knows which version, and they behave totally differently on Windows. So I really like that they've now, well, this is not super new, um, 
made this change. It made it definitely more convenient. Yeah. I mean, well, Microsoft Edge embedded the support for PDF, which they get to exactly. ride along on top of. Which is nice. I do like in this uh, nineteen two. They've got uh, they had a new function get model attributes. Man, it just really does feel each point release. It's just like a trickle. They should throw us, mm -hmm. you know, throw a bone in there. Give Matt regex, <laughs> or <laughs> or give somebody else, you know, uh, write, uh, you know, write CSS. Um, get model attributes is again going to return JSON about the whatever the machine learning model. They've got a lot of core technologies that they're working yeah. on. They, that they put in and then they're sort of like, okay, we've got to have this in for it and this in for it and this in for it. So it's a lot of cleanup work when they release these new stuff. But under the enhanced functions, they did under um, that on this 19.3.1, they did update the support within JSON to what's called bracket notation. So there's always been an issue that when you use dot notation in within your JSON in FileMaker... <laughs> Um, the dot notation usually separates between key value pairs where you're going down a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So um, they did support what's called bracket notation, where instead of using the dot, you actually use the uh, open brackets. Those are the square ones within mm -hmm. with the um, next key in line with a sync within single quotes which doesn't cause a problem within FileMaker because FileMaker uses double quotes and mm -hmm. a lot of JavaScript uses single quotes or JSON in this case. So that was a, a nice addition to the support within all their JSON functions. That's one I've not played with. I got really comfortable with dot notation, but the way you describe it, I can totally see the benefit of bracket notation. I should play with that. Yeah, it's, it's the same way that we think of when you access, um, say, for instance, a repetition. You just use those brackets uh, in order to identify another rep of a field or a, a repetition mm -hmm. of a variable. So you just have to remember the single quotes, and that's it. Um, they did have system platform. That's when they released support for Ubuntu, uh, and they already had CentOS, so they added a couple of those onto that function. Get add-on info was enhanced. Again, some more support for their add-ons and get installed FM plugins as JSON. They made yet another change to that. And then that was pretty much it on that dot do release. You, do all these changes to the get add-on, do you think point to that they may actually one day make an add-on not removable? Like a checkbox where the user can say, yeah, this, this one's going to become permanent and you will not be able to remove it. So that you can have confidence that someone won't completely bork your database by removing the add-on. Yeah, I don't know. I would love so to I'm, hear from them. It's like our, from the standpoint of we're cleaning up functionality that we put in so that it's at the point that we want it to, or we're so behind this technology that we're actually going to make it do ultimately what you would like it to do. And I don't know where they are in that because they've got to me they've always had this um, sort of split personality of we've got to work on this new stuff but we can't forget the old stuff and and they're carrying a lot of, a lot of old baggage forward and i'm wondering you know are they are they fully on board behind their add-on architecture or has the adoption been so low that it's not worth it for them to continue and i think we talked about last time that there's no way for them to test it they don't really they can't really know so anyway, that's interesting. I, I'm I'm going to keep watching that to kind of see if I can 
get a better idea of where they might be taking it. Clearly the huge, uh, you know, the draw dropping feature in this one was support for curl version 7.76.0 versus the 7.75. Those are usually always security updates where, you know, we've got to update this library that we've embedded because it has like the one above it, open SSL. Mm-hmm. They always have to update on that because that those are, you know, that's the actual communication layer. So <laughs> they can't yeah. have old that, versions of that in their core. <laughs> but yeah, moving on, 19.3.2. Uh, they didn't even have any new features in 19.3.2. They just had addressed issues. That was in the following month, July, where they were probably fixing some things. Yep, just a lot of fixes in that one, looks like. Wrapped up in the 19.3. And what's the next one? 19.4.1. We actually have a number of new things. Ooh, long list of new things. That was in November of 2021. Look at 19.4.1. Tell me if you're there. I would. (laughs) So one of the new things that that they had was... um, running scripts through shortcuts. Now this is a FileMaker mobile thing or a shortcuts. It says macOS Monterey. So I haven't even upgraded to Monterey, unfortunately myself yet. I'm so lame. I'm still on Catalina. Um, they, the shortcuts app now on, I did some of this stuff before it was called shortcuts before, uh, Apple bought it. It was on mobile first. And then I believe they made it available on, the OS and the shortcuts app is like something that will communicate and do things with the OS between your software and then also going out into the rest of the wide world into the net. So um, I've been meaning to play. I've played with the app before it was called shortcuts. I'm blanking on what it was named before, but it was a very awesome iOS way to automate a lot of things but they've made the integration super tight and I guess that's available as an app on Macintosh now. So, but we've always had Apple script. We've always had the ability to do that. I guess the shortcuts app, um, maybe it allows you to do more. looks like it ties into Siri and all these voices. It's easier to program. Yeah. Maybe easier than, uh, automator, which attempted to simplify Apple script. Or if this and that. I confess that I haven't really played with that. <clears throat> it's been on my to-do list. Because it seems like it would be so great to be able to, for example, give a Siri command on your phone that runs something in FileMaker. Yep. I would really, I think that would be really cool. It's it's just slightly nerdier than I am at the moment. <laughs> and I really need to aspire to that, Matt. Yes, I, I personally, I will play with some features. I will dedicate some time, but then others, I don't even get around to them until I have a project that needs them. And, it would be so great. Like, for example, you know, I have to think about the ways that you and I use FileMaker in our own productive daily lives, tracking time, you know, doing things like that. Obviously, we use it for all of our recipes. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's that's the way so many people start, though. But it would be so great if you're finishing a project and you want to track time, you can say, you know, create a, create a time note and give it a few parameters and have 
Siri handle it and make a record, you know, that's kind of the way I would want to start that. Yeah. I, you, you got to come up with that first use case where you can think of, Hey, I would do this. Then you go explore the technology and that's when you end up using it. Otherwise, if you just never sort of play with or use, take advantage of what's available. I mean, yeah. you're usually able to just get along just fine. Note with what you know. It's kind of, I mean, I use Siri for, for multiple types of things. You know, you can say, play a specific playlist at volume 35 and turn it off in 15 minutes. And it will do all of that Wow! in one string, um, as opposed to having them be individual commands that are one thing at a time. Man, I have to be honest. I don't even, uh, I've got an Android phone and I don't even use the, uh, the Google assistant. I just, I'm so in my habit of, I go into the app that does what I want to do. And then I, you know, I do like the swiping keyboard. Yeah. I that's available on, on iOS too. I don't really use it though yet. Another one I, I like, you know, call my brother on speaker. That one works pretty good. Or hmm. of course there's how much wood does a woodchuck chuck? That's a super fun one. And you get different answers, of course. So um, that's Siri. So next message, big thing was OAuth provider. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's big. That where you could do custom. So you could actually set up and create your own OAuth provider. You didn't have to use one of the big three. That was huge. Uh, in fact, I think there's a there was a some user group meeting that recently somebody showcased where you could use this open source system, run your own custom OAuth provider for authentication, and FileMaker can now hook into that, which is really, I like that. For sure. And that would certainly tie in nicely to those larger hosting providers too, to be able to offer not only you know the hosting but also a central authentication across all servers. You know, so if you've got five servers with them, um, you don't have to build separate. I guess that would be handled with any of the other ones anyway. But it, I could see how it would be. Yeah, I mean, a they nice could feature. if they if they wanted to manage it. Definitely, if a customer wanted to manage it or set it up. For sure. This next one is interesting. The session identifier for custom app developers for it. I was really hoping it was web direct and it is. Yeah, I've, I've, I played with this one. I, I used it cause I wanted to see, uh, if get username would change. Um, but that's the, the get username always returns the username by default. And if you use the session identifier, then it will revert to using get username. But if you initialize that session identifier, you are able to take advantage of it. I just haven't had a need for it myself. It's to me, it's kind of I see it's got some utility. It's kind of like the uh, the the counter that when you use PSOS, and each time you call a PSOS script, it shows up as you running it with an integer and every time you call it the integer goes up by one yeah which gives you the ability to determine how many times there's been a psos called on that server and i've definitely found utility in that this seems a little bit like that with the session id but i don't know maybe not quite the same thing but still along those lines faster sql queries that was the yeah that's the next one that one's actually i mean Really, it's only useful if you're doing anything with metadata about your file or your database. 
But actually, for those of you that are interested that have not taken the trip down the sequel and Jason paths, it is very useful to know that you can format the results of a SQL query as JSON. You just have to know how to use um, SQL's concatenation. And the SQL's concatenation operator is either the double pipe or the plus sign. I think FileMaker's version of SQL mm-hmm. supports both of that. So there are times where I have used um, all of these SQL uh, things that FileMaker mm-hmm. has, all of the metadata, which you can get the list of base table names, the list of mm-hmm. all of the field names for the whole file, the list of mm-hmm. all the field types, uh, what the uh, class of field is, how many repetitions, how many times the field has been modified. I mean, you can do a lot of things with this, and then you can actually return it using a, a structure like JSON, or you have to instead of just a return like separate list. Yeah, that's cool. So it's, I'm trying to think of some of those things maybe get functions, but I don't think so. I don't think there's a get function for for getting a field class, for example. Uh, there might be. Uh, I'd have to look in the field information. Yeah, those are more obscure. But anyway, these are great to be able to use Execute SQL for that. And I love the thing of using, getting the result as JSON. I'm going to have to play with that. You can get the specific uh, of FileMaker's design functions. Um, It does have, for example, if you are in there and you put in field, you've got field bounds, field comment, field Field IDs, IDs, field names, field style, and field type. Yeah, I so said get you, functions. I meant design functions. Yeah, you could write a uh, like a for example a while function, it's trying to get all of the field types across all of the fields that are in a portal. Um, but mm-hmm. if you're needing it for the whole database, execute SQL and using FileMaker's uh, metadata, it's FileMaker uh, tables is going to give you the data, the information back faster than running it through a while. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, they've got uh, additional things, offset and limit, which is, uh, d- uh, again, SQL-related things. And then you get down to their addressed issues where they f- fix things up. The next big one looks like it's in the execute, um, well, the data API function. You're looking at 19.4.2? No, at the bottom of that one, it says offset and limit for related for related records returned by the execute FileMaker data API script step. So this is just past the execute SQL enhancements. Yeah, yeah. I'm there. Yeah, you did talk about that a little bit, but um, when did the execute FileMaker data API function come? Uh, that wasn't this to. version. It must have been a previous one. But anyway, that's a that's a pretty powerful one. So this is a pretty small change to that is adding the request option or the adding a function to the request option. I'm looking that up for you. That's pretty. And then, yeah, a bunch of bug fixes. That's 19.4.1. Interesting. I use use, um, an application called Dash, and it has all the docs loaded. And I'm in a 19 doc, and this is the one thing that's frustrating. Sometimes you can't find what you're looking for. So, for example, when I put in data API, it doesn't find anything like that. And I can't put, I can't find execute FileMaker data API. 
So I'd have to actually go to FileMaker's docs and search for those because for some reason the Dash app can't find it within it. So my guess is 19. Lots of stuff came out with 19. Uh, no, they've had the data API for a while, so it's maybe 17. That's a guess, hmm. though. I didn't think it was. Well, I mean, having a FileMaker database be able to run a data API, that's what I'm talking about, which is kind of cool. So, for example, if you've got uh, a database hosted on file server A, and you don't want to actually have a file reference to another server, a file on another server, you could do a data API command instead to read or write data from there yep. and then get or put data. And then, you know, I, I find a lot of utility in that. So you could, you could integrate a really lightweight logging system where you could have one log server get log data for 50 databases or something. Yeah. And using a, a really lightweight. I looked into that one and I don't think it was quite as lightweight as I was hoping. Um, so for logging, but I think it would be really useful for other things. 19. That's when it came out. 19. Oh, which yeah. I didn't even see those release notes here. <laughs> yeah, 19. 19. was when, uh, execute FileMaker data API came out. Yep, that was that pretty was... much, that was your bi-directional, uh, web viewer and, uh, just call it a web release. Everything. Yeah. There was the a web. bunch of, performance enhancements across the board in 1902. Yeah, actually one thing that um, we will not find listed in here that if you have been a longtime FileMaker developer, there is a file that they're continually improving that allows you to take FileMaker, um, I think of it I think of it as the back in time file. Um, and Vince Monano has been uh, promoting it uh, a lot because it actually provides a lot of information. It is a file that you can use both on client and on server in order to get uh, a lot of information that helps you debug things. And the file name is without spaces is called release debug on dot txt. It's just a standard text file. There's no spaces, but the release debug on if that file is in the right location and on client, it simply has to be in the same location as FileMaker, the FileMaker app itself. So for example, on mm -hmm. a Macintosh, you would put a file called release debug on.txt in the applications folder. And on Windows, same place, it would be next to FileMaker. On window on server, it's a little bit different. It's not necessarily by the binary. But within this file, let me open up mine on my machine. And what I do is I actually have a folder in my applications called off. And when I want FileMaker to work normally, I put this file called release debug on.txt into the off folder before launching FileMaker. And then FileMaker will run completely as normal. Then if I want to do debugging, I will simply just drag it out of that folder called off and it's now relative to FileMaker, and within it, it has, let me count how many there are, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are currently, as far as I know of, ten different settings that allow you to control how FileMaker is going to behave. Now, some of these are 
related to the enhancements that they've been adding in FileMaker 19 and moving forward, such as disable server-side sorting, um, disable server-side summary. Uh, oops, nope, that's not one. Uh, disable sharing lock on server, uh, force output, uh, normal temp, um, remote calls, if you want to see what the calls are to server, uh, threaded sorting, um, sharing lock for pro. Um, and some of these are client side, some of them are um, server side. There's even one that I think was so obscure that I didn't even know about it from any of the release notes, but for some reason, Saliant knew about it and probably Wim made it uh, available. Um, dealing with portal, extra flags, no portal DRS, which I don't even know. So some of these, you don't necessarily know what they are unless the person who has worked with them or the developer that put it in, if they've got documentation somewhere. Um, yeah, the only person that I know that's ever documented this well is over at Saliant. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was Wim, but if you do a search for that keyword on Google, you should be able to come up with it. So have you ever used that, Matt? Um, no, I remember it. Um, but I didn't ever really use it or find a need for it so far. Yeah, actually, there we go. Uh, if you do a Google search for release debug on .txt, the very first uh, Google hit will come up. Improve FileMaker performance, sharing locks and feature flags uh, by Saliant. And I'm going to guess it was Wim that did it. Let's see. Scroll to the bottom. Nope, it was uh, Mislav. Mislav Kos. Kos. Another super talented, uh, super technical FileMaker developer guy. But yeah, that's that's the place to go to to get more information about that file. But, okay, uh, yeah, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, you I can, just created it and stuck it in my folder so I can start playing with the features. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll will shoot you mine. I've got uh, little documentation comments above each of them in terms of what they do and whether they're supported on Mac or Windows. Mm -hmm. um, so I I think I copied and took some of the stuff from that Saliant article, but it's pretty interesting. It's I I think of it as the I can make FileMaker uh, be slow like it was in the past file, <laughs> which you can. <laughs> You know. Oh, that's funny. I when I look at that document in Google, it shows purple because I have read it. <laughs> oh, the uh, the one written by Saliant. Yes. Yeah. Definitely, if you are a hardcore developer, uh, definitely something you need to be aware of because it allows you to see um, with the file that it uh, creates, especially the um, the force output the log file that it will create, you can see what type of communication is happening between the client and server, which is really pretty useful from a client yeah. standpoint. I see that there's also a version of this where this file can also run on server in yes. a certain directory. I, maybe you mentioned that, but that's, a, I think, a very important point to, to mention again. Yeah. Hmm, that, okay. Combined with uh, the other logs that are on the server, that's sort of how you have to do your... Uh, your super advanced troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that, and yeah, I think you also mentioned other logs, including the, I can't remember the name of it, the the performance log that really writes a huge amount of data. 
on server side? Yeah, I can't remember the name of the log file now. The server's got multiple logs. Some of them are well, turned the, off by yeah, default. Yeah, there's two. You there's two normal on. ones, right? So there's like the access log and I the think it's the activity log. log, event log, and this other one gives you a ton of detail about all the tiny things that are going on that you can use to really analyze. The, it's you know what's top going slow. This top call stats. Thank you. Yeah. You know you can diagnose this layout has this object, which takes a really long time to load in milliseconds. Yeah. Or scripts that are taking too long. Yep. So hard yeah. to analyze, but there's other tools for that. So the 19.4.2 release notes looks like just small bug fixes. Yeah, just addressed issues. I mean, they were they've got some SSL certificate. That's security stuff. And um, that gets us up to today. Mojave, April. they dropped that. So I'm gonna. I better update in the next. I better move off of Catalina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. We, we didn't talk about it, but um, they did drop support for older versions of macOS, and presumably they'll do the same thing for older versions of Windows 2 for security, Yeah, which will be a sting for customers that don't realize they've got some handful of users using an older OS. Yep. And that's that's it. That's all she wrote. I mean, between yep. 19.0 and 19.4. So... <laughs> How does that leave you feeling? I keep feeling like, all right, I see that you're moving forward. I know that you're working on things that are like core, that are going to be great for the future, but I just want a few little things sprinkled in that sort of say, you know, we're taking care of your your development environment too. Yeah. I. The overall feeling I get from having reviewed all that stuff is that there's less in the last year than there was between, say, 18 and 19. And I, th I think that they're still sort of finding their way on doing releases in this in this way, and that maybe in the next year we'll actually see dot releases with bigger things in them. One can hope. Yeah. I mean, we it, it's just... We know, I know that they've got a, a strong focus on this, everything that they've been, been doing underneath the hood, and... I know that they're cleaning up, clearly, they're cleaning up all of the tech that they've been putting in. So, for example, the big feature that came in 19, which was the ability to save a copy of the database as XML. The holy grail for FileMaker was that it could join the world of the rest of what's taken off open source, mm -hmm. which open source allows you to do diffs and compares and to find out what's newer that you've done on this separate copy of the file. And now that we've tested it, can we actually apply that to the production version? Um, that ultimately didn't happen because the tool and the, the XML is so exhaustive and the tool being able to find the differences that they released, they had a developer tool. It just hasn't panned out yet. So I don't know if that's still on the forefront of their mindset um, but they definitely are showing that they keep working on it because they're like, okay, we've enhanced the add-ons. We've added this little bit of JSON here. We've uh, cleaned up the copy as XML. It's now outputting um, this and that. And, and they're doing those things. It's just that we don't see them and uh, see the other little things. And it's, I'm just hopeful that once those things get to the point where they want, we see some big things in the UI, but I don't know. I don't know. They it are, seems they are clear so they're pointing focused. at it. 
I know, I know, but the, it seems like the save a copy as XML is a left shoe, and we're happy to have the 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 other features you talk about where you can write changes to a specific area, do the diff, update a file that's either live or a single user mode with these big changes. Kind of like a kind of like the add-on feature where you can say, oh, this is a live solution and it's a vertical market type of a configuration. We've got 100 customers using it. We just wrote this module which involves Changes to changes to existing scripts, new scripts, changes to layouts, new layouts, changes to fields, new fields, blah, blah, blah. And say, we're just going to do one kind of a package update and not break any data, but make these changes in the database. Like you can do with so many other development environments. And then also have the ability to roll it back. Yeah. It just seems so clear that that's where that's headed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm patient. <laughs> I'll wait for that. Um, because it's going to be, a, you know, that's not one that you can afford to get wrong. Definitely. And I mean, obviously, they're they're putting the efforts towards that. I mean, and they're putting the efforts towards the uh, the new experience. And we know that they're moving to uh, supporting, you know, a highly scalable, scalable back end with Mongo. Um, so it's sort of like uh, we're waiting with bated breath. But at the same time, you know. I don't know. Throw us the little the little things every once in a while, like a, even a little uh, you know just a little something in the UI would be great. It's sort of like um, I always feel like uh, you know you can have grand plans within this big scope of this big technology, but it there's always those that low hanging fruit. I know I've said it before that are sort of just there that are really appealing that can make a big difference that gives you a wow factor. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, I would, I would have part of my team say, okay, let's, let's have an everyday use. <laughs> let's work on some of these everyday use features that they impact people because they use them every day. But then we can go work on the, um, you know, the AI, uh, modeling and the, um, save a copy as XML and stuff like that. But you've got, you know, who knows, tens of thousands of developers working in your environment day to day. And when you release, when the bulk of what you release is stuff that they sort of won't use or will get to it when they need it, those other things sort of make a much bigger impact. So I'm all for that. But I'll take what they got. Yeah, me too. If they, if they stop, Updating FileMaker, then I'm going to have to look for other work. <laughs> well, you know, they've got a pretty good 30 plus year run of constantly coming out with updates. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and I think they have more engineering happening on the platform than ever at the moment, don't they? That I don't know. I haven't, I've not talked I to anybody I... to know whether they've uh, increased hiring or not. Yeah, I can't remember why I'm referencing that, but it seems like someone told me that recently. Grapevine. Maybe maybe someone can comment on it and send an email to Matt at mattafilemicrotalk.com. Yeah, I think it goes to both of us. Goes to both of us. It's been a long time since we used that. We've been podcasting for like over 10 years. <laughs> Not reliably. <laughs> but still, it's a long time. 
right. Well, that's our dot releases. We're at 55, so I'm thinking. Yeah. Thanks for listening to FileMaker Talk. Smooth dot releases all day. <laughs> oh, this is so fun, Maddie.